Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma, back with me. Um, Taryn, we got to be feeling pretty good. Mets have won 15 of 17. They're hitting the laces off the ball. Um, the pitching has been terrific. Can we find anything to complain about? Uh, no, because they actually even swept today, and they haven't done a lot of that, even with all the series wins. But a series win, it, uh, it calls for uh, – that's a, that's a series victory beer. We've got uh, Udapil's uh, Hefeweizen. So cheers to you and cheers to the Mets. The Daniel Vogelback era, the greatest era in Mets baseball history. Oh, my goodness. Our thick boys are doing it. Between him and Ruff and Naquin, who's just on fire. I mean, you know, Billy Epler's looking like, uh, uh, I think we, you know, we talked about it on the show, how the Mets really didn't need a lot. They just needed pieces. And boy, he went out and found, at least so far, the, the pieces that this roster needed. I mean, you know, this this team was hot early on, but I don't think we've seen a peak like this yet. No, uh, Billy Epler is looking like he wants me to look like a moron. And you know what? <laughs> I'm totally OK with it. Uh, I'm loving this. I've seen this uh, said a few times. I know Green Man said it, too, on Twitter. Uh, if you're our age, um, you know, in this 10 year, 28 to 38 span or, or even younger than me this is the best Mets team in your lifetime so far and uh, and we hope that you know this will be a, a sign of things to come that we can continue um, to to perform at this level as, a, as an organization but this is something really special and so even like a midday uh, game against a last place team like the Reds I just want to urge anyone who's listening, don't take that for granted. Like, you know, there's that quote. It's like, um, I wish we knew what the good old days were before they were done. Like you're living in it right now. <laughs> this is uh, either the golden age or the beginning of a golden age of Mets baseball. And, uh, and I think that's something to savor. Uh, I think every game is, is really uh, fun. Uh, even when they lose their battling, uh, it's just good, aesthetically pleasing baseball, and they do all of the little things right. And and I I really hope that everyone is is soaking that in because uh, it doesn't come around every day. Yeah, no, and and this is, I mean this is what I mean being a sports fan. This is what it's about. You wait for the good times. Being a Mets fan, forget <laughs> about it, man. I mean we uh, like you just said, uh, both of us are in the age group that we don't remember 1986. I was three years old. I don't remember anything about 86. I watched the VHS tape until it ripped in half and I had to scotch tape it together. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I don't remember 1986. I didn't I mean I was just a kid. It, you know, this is it, like you said, it's something special. I mean, 2006 was, uh, you know, a, a locomotive. Um, uh, injuries struck at the at the worst possible time and, and and they got you know through the nlcs almost but you know these things happen i think that this organization's done such a nice job of and you know you can of course not taking one season into one historical season into uh, into account but you know they've gone out of their way to make sure that injuries won't decimate this team that if someone goes down there's a viable replacement waiting to slide in Buck Showalter can put a different lineup out there probably once, you know, uh, for two weeks, a different lineup every day. But, you know, he has these options. He's pulled all the right levers. He's pushed all the right buttons. It's I think you hit it on the head, man. It's just very, very special. And it's, it's extremely satisfying to watch. We've waited so long for just good baseball. And, and you know, it's not just good. It's great. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And so now the Mets are what 33 games above 500. They were 25 games above 500 before DeGrom ever threw a pitch, which is just amazing. And, and obviously riding this hot streak right now, this is something that the Mets have done all year. And we've talked about it, Tim beating the teams that they should beat uh, beating up on the bottom part of their own division. And then also taking care of business against teams like Cincinnati, who, you know, honestly, uh, no disrespect to Cincinnati, but that w- it was really tough to watch them. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a, you, that's a team. I think Keith Hernandez, and, and shout out to Keith Hernandez for dropping this stat, 42 and 17 the Mets are versus teams under 500 this year. Right. Yeah, there you go. And that You got to eat. You have to eat on those teams. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, I, I laugh when I see, oh, yeah, well, the Mets are playing so-and-so and they were winning. That's what good teams are supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to beat teams that are not as good as you. And you can't win them all. It's baseball. But, man, the, the Mets are doing doing their darndest to win them all right now. Yeah. And, they, and they're also doing it in, uh, in a way that's not overly taxing their team. And that's going to pay dividends, I think, further down the road. You yeah. think about the fact that they didn't have to use any of the really big bullpen pieces for high leverage outs, high stress outs in this uh, outing. You know, you saw uh, Diaz and his brother exchange the lineup cards. I, we didn't see either of the Diaz in this series, right? Uh, did he come in on Monday? No, right? No. I don't think so. Good. Get him so, right. So he, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think he deserves, deserves a couple of days. Absolutely. And and he's going to get the off day, too. And uh, and, you know, gearing up for a big Philadelphia series, Philadelphia's offense has been on fire and we'll talk about them in the later half of the show. But uh, yeah, that that series uh, with Cincinnati went as well as it possibly could have for the Mets. They were winning without Pete Alonso even getting a hit until the third game. Um, other notable things, uh, Lindor who, you know, where are the Lindorks now? Um, <laughs> hey, uh, do, you know, do you know what Lindor's hitting over the last seven games? No, I'd love to. In the last seven days, 393, 486, 536. Is that good? Uh, you know, I got to check with my experts on this, yeah. but I think so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ask him about this, too. He, he became the first Met on, uh, on Tuesday night to have multiple uh, – 20 home run seasons from the shortstop position. And then today he uh, achieves his 81st run batted in that ties a Mets shortstop record with Jose Reyes. Um, What we're seeing out of Lindor is everything that the Mets could have asked for um, when they gave him $341 million, when they traded, you know, two serviceable pieces for him and Carrasco, uh, this has just been a phenomenal season by Francisco. And I I really think that it speaks to the mental toughness of the team. You look at the guys that are performing this year, Lindor Diaz, and and that's not to mention the rest of the guys who have been fantastic, but those are two guys that took a lot of heat from this fan base. Um, And, and it's because they weren't performing at the level that we knew that they were capable of. Uh, And, and they're really showing everybody, what they're made of now. So the mental toughness, the physical toughness, and, and just the the elite play that they have shown is really impressive. And I think that that's something that we should really respect and uh, and call attention to. I mean, everybody, whether it's, you know, Jeff McNeil um, becoming Jeff McNeil again this season. Yeah. By the way, he's got an OPS over a thousand over the last week, too. Right. And, and, he, and he took a lefty deep for the first time uh, in a couple of years uh, today uh, the, on Tuesday. So did you see him? Did you see him mouth? Wow. As soon as it left the bat, he said, wow, he couldn't <laughs> believe it was gone. <laughs> That's awesome. They showed a close up of the, I guess, a replay, a closer shot of it on the broadcast on Wednesday. And it leaves his bat and you see his eyes track it and you can tell it's gone. And he says, wow. <laughs> and then he comes around and he, he says the wow again after he crosses the plate. It was actually pretty awesome. But, you know, he's um everybody. Pete Alonzo has been on, a, on an absolute tear. Even Brandon Nimmo, who's not really been hitting well, but he's still getting on base at nearly 40 <laughs> percent clip over the last week. Look at this. He's six for 26. That's like 231. 394 OBP over that span. Wow, yeah. Yeah, bro. Wow. I mean, 
everyone's doing their part. Even when they're not hitting the ball, they're doing what they can in the field. They're doing what they can on the base path. They're doing what they can stretching out at bats. Finally, SNY put up a stat today. The Mets have, I think it was, I think it was 19.6 pitches on average that they've worked out of starting pitchers in the first. Wow. Yeah. That's just fantastic. That's a great stat. Everything, man. They're just checking off all the boxes. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and that's something that Buck called attention to in the postgame presser again today. Uh, the importance of Nimmo being that guy in the first inning. You're basically getting the, the pitcher to show at least three of his pitches. So um, that's really valuable to the rest of the hitters. And especially because there's such camaraderie on this team. That's another thing that I want to talk about with the pitching staff. But there's such camaraderie on this team that they're sharing information at, at a really elite level and they want to see each other succeed. And I think that a lot of teams, maybe they say that, but it's a lot different to, uh, to practice that. And, and the Mets practice that all the time, whether it's, you see Francisco Lindor telling Pete Alonso uh, in the, uh, in the batter's uh, box, like uh, before he gets in there, you know, this is what I'm seeing uh, or, or Starling Marte also sharing that information. Nimmo uh, canna. That is uh, that's a really, really great trait. And I think that that's something that's going to continue to pay dividends going further. Um, one thing that they talked about with the pitching staff on on Wednesday during the broadcast, uh, Gelbs was saying that Cookie Carrasco, the, one of the reasons that his slider has been so much better of late is that he heard Scherzer say, like, stay behind the ball. Um, and he he said that that really helped something click for him because he's been keeping that in mind. Um, so they were just marveling at the fact that, you know, obviously it's a huge deal for Peterson, for McGill to be in, in the room with those guys and learn from them. But for even a veteran like Carrasco, who uh, has won so many games and, and has had a great career for him to continue learning from some of the masters of the craft that they have in this uh, in this rotation, that's great. And I don't think that the Mets front office could have pieced it together any better. I mean, they they pulled out all the stops heading into the season. You know, making these solidifying moves um, throughout the season, kind of filtering out guys that just weren't going to fit. Trade deadline came, kind of went all out there. Um, you know, it's it's an actual push towards championship. It's a front office with winning at the top of their priority list. And, and again, it's something that Mets fans just are not familiar with. And it all coming on so fast is just such a, um, it's a terrific rush, man. Yeah. And, and dating back to the make the baseball decision comment by Cohen Tapler and, and Sandy, like that is the mindset of this team. And it's just really nice for once for the organization to have uh, a common thought and goal and, and show that in their priorities that winning baseball games is the single most important task of everybody from the ownership all the way down to you know, the clubbies. <laughs> um, I'm pulling up stats while we're chatting here. So over the last 30 days, between Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, Max Scherzer, and Jacob deGrom, They've allowed a total of 21 earned runs combined in 30 days. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I could do the math on innings here, but, you know, going out and getting Bassett, who clearly has, you know, I, we've talked a lot about internal competition, whether on the Apple here, whatever. Um, it brings the best out of guys. And, yeah. and you, know, you look at Walker, Bassett, and Carrasco, who – Heading into the season, it's like, all right, well, this guy's number three, this guy's number four, this guy's number five. Then, of course, the injuries hit, and everyone's just there. Everyone's got to go out and do their job. No one has a designation, especially when DeGrom and, and Scherzer were both out. And, and you know, everyone kind of had to find their way, and Scherzer came back, and Jake came back, and everyone was prepared for that. And, my goodness, I mean, over the last month, you have starters, three starters, Bassett, Scherzer, and Carrasco with ERAs under two. Yeah, like yeah. they they went out and had a blueprint. They had a plan in mind, and, and to their credit, I mean, they did it, and it's working out. 
I mean, teams can go out and pull off their plans. It, it rarely works out exactly to the team. So far, so good. There's a lot of baseball left to play, but man, even Vegas is starting to respect what this team is doing. Right. And, and you talk about Bassett. I mean, he's a total bulldog. Uh, gave the Mets eight innings, 114 pitches the other day. And, and he was saying in the post game, you know, sometimes uh, 90 can feel like it's a buck 20 and sometimes a buck 20 can feel like it's 90. And I think that that also speaks to a, a great trait about Buck is that he trusts these guys. And he even said, like, you know, some days we're not going to go out there and, and do batting practice just to show that we're doing it. We have great facilities here. We do it uh, inside and and kind of save these guys bodies because there's they played a lot of baseball and they've got to play a lot of baseball still. And there's a lot of veterans on this team. You know, you want to keep them healthy. So um, not getting on a guy, you know, it's, uh, it happened, I think, on either Monday or Tuesday. Marte hit a ball. Uh, I think Canna was running on the play. So he got to second fairly easily. No chance at a double play. And so he jogged up the line. In some other cases, a manager might get on a guy like uh, like Starling Marte for not like, you know, quote unquote, hustling there. Uh, and and Buck trusts them. You know, I he sees like a guy like Marte who has broken up so many double plays this year that, uh, you know, if he understands that he doesn't have a chance to get there, he he doesn't have to risk his groin being re-injured. So um, the, the Mets have a, a really great uh, symbiosis through every level of the organization and with all of the players. And it's amazing to think that they had the shortened spring training this year, that they didn't have the winter to kind of get to know each other. This is a first-year manager um, somebody who has been around the block and has done things his way and had success. And he is so open to these players and doing things, what works best for them. I, I, there's just like uh, not enough words to, to describe how great this moment is. And, and um, yeah, I, there's so many good games coming up for this team. I'm really excited to see, uh, how these uh, these last 50 or so games come down. I think it's 50 on the nose after today. Yeah. It's um, it should be very, very exciting. I know, uh, you know, just you talk with fans, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's in real life and everyone's very fired up right now. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion on what, you know, what could do better, what, you know, but all those opinions or at least the negative ones seem to fade out when the team's winning. It's funny. It's funny how that always works out, but yeah, it's, um, it's different. It's, it's, it's still taking some getting used to as far as, um, rolling with this team's successes. Like, you know, you hear a lot of fans talk about, uh, um, uh, and I hate using this term with sports PTSD because you don't get PTSD from sports folks, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, it, yes, it, you know, to, to, to not look back at the history of, of not just the Mets, but of, of any sports teams, any franchises in any professional athletic arena and whatever. Um, teams are going to underperform. Teams are going to overachieve. Teams are going to catch, you know, fall victim to a bad break, whatever the case is. I think some, you know, at least a small section of Mets fans are, are still waiting for that, that shoe to drop. And, um, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I guess my message to them would be, you know, don't take it so seriously. These guys know what they're doing. It's very clear that they're professionals that they're very good at what they do. Uh, and that's not just the on-field staff. That's from top to bottom. I, I can't think of a time that I've had more confidence in this organization to, to kind of keep this, keep these wheels rolling, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think that they've ever been like this, honestly. And, uh, and I think that's a testament to, to Steve Cohen and, and him trusting the baseball people to, uh, to do their jobs and yeah, they've done it at every level and they, and they understand what they have. Uh, I talked about this last week, but Understanding what you have in a in a great manager like Buck and uh, yeah, it, it's just it's superb. Oh, it's just you know, 
I think it's, uh, you know, the job that Eric Chavez has done um, has probably gone a bit understated. I'd love to hear more about his approach to this clubhouse, to this roster, to the ups and downs of the season, the adjustments that have needed to be made, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see after the year, after the season, or even, you know, leading up towards the postseason, if someone can get him to kind of expand on the, the not, not, not necessarily the challenges, but kind of the landscape uh, of getting guys to buy in, of, of, uh, of this group realizing what their true potential is and kind of realizing that potential in itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, many, many little storylines can, can bubble up from this. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, do we want to go to break before we hit the, uh, the second half of our episode today, we were going to preview the Philadelphia series and we have a uh, interview with one of our favorite Twitter follows. Yeah, we got a guest. All right. Yeah, um, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. It's going to be a quick one and we'll be right back. Hang tight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Uh, Taryn, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the uh, take the lead on this one. Um, yeah. I, I can't wait to uh, to jump in. Yeah. One of my uh, we've obviously heaped plenty of praise on the uh, on the Cohen era so far. And one thing that I really appreciated, uh, I think, about this uh, ownership group is that they've really wanted to celebrate um Mets fans and what makes them special. And that's something that I've really noticed. And so we wanted to go along in that vein. Uh, one of my favorite people that I've followed on Twitter this year is, uh, is Greg. Uh, you might've seen him uh, on Mets Twitter, making songs about the Mets. He does these little jingles. He's at real black 14 on Twitter. Uh, and this is the first time that we're talking face to face. Greg, uh, I, I love the songs that you make. I show them to my fiance and we just uh, laugh and laugh because it's so creative and so fun. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you guys. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure to be here. Anytime anybody, you know, appreciates me being an idiot. Um, it's more than welcome. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit uh, about your background, your fandom. Um, how did you start to follow the Mets? Where are you from? And, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll get into the music. Sure. Yeah. I was originally born in Queens. Um, my family moved me out to Long Island at the ripe old age of one years old. And, uh, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've lived there ever since. Um, and I, the, as early as I can remember, uh, my cousin and myself were at a garage sale where there were baseball cards for sale. And, um, I fell in love with this, uh, set that had uh, Gary Carter and Hernandez and my older cousin was telling me about them. Next thing you know, I was listening to radio and watching them on TV and they uh, they weren't great, um, but I loved the colors. I, I remember uh, looking at Yankee colors and looking at Met colors being really little and being like, okay, no, I like these guys. I like orange and blue and just sticking with that and um you know it just grew and grew over the years and i just have been enamored with this baseball team as far back as i can remember so that's awesome um so yeah uh, you you make these uh these short 
uh, music clips. They're like probably about 30 seconds, right? You, uh, it, it's typically you pointing your phone at the TV and then just like singing over it. I, I think it's, it's awesome. You've done them for Trevor May, for JD Davis. Um, who's your uh, favorite jingle that you've done so far? You know, it's got to be 877 runs now. I mean, I, I, I feel like that has given me the, the most notoriety. Um, that day that I called uh, Boomer and Geo, um, it just blew up and, and, and took off from there. T-shirts were made. Um, uh, the SNY did a commercial. It was absolutely crazy. Um you know, so that has to be my favorite because that actually put me on the map and I'll I'll never forget it. It was a little bittersweet when when JD was traded because I knew we needed the uh, DH help. And his time was definitely coming to an end because he was struggling hitting the fastball. Um, but, you know, the, the times we had were, were really special there. Yeah. Hey, Greg, uh, Greg, Tim here. What's up, uh, Tim? What's up, man? Uh, hey, by the way, I followed the same path as you did, man. Born in Queens. Really? My family brought us out to Long Island and I never left. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, welcome <laughs> welcome to the jungle out here in the island. Absolutely. <laughs> the heart of it all, baby. Um, so I guess growing up, I'm sure you had favorite play. Did you ever do this type of stuff, you know, at home growing up, watching the Mets, you know, just – making up songs, making up stuff as you go, just kind of entertaining yourself, making the game more entertaining for you, whatever the case may be. Tim, that is a great question. Um, ever since I was a little boy, I made jingles. Um, <laughs> that's always been a habit of mine. It doesn't have to be baseball. Um, I, as early as I can remember, <laughs> I remember making my sister laugh um, for this jingle I made for Home Depot. Um, a home, it was like a Home Depot, Home Depot, where the <laughs> prices are so expensive, nobody can buy anything. I didn't think it was funny, but my sister thought it was really funny, so I kept doing it. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> I would make jingles for absolutely everything. I'd make it for sports all the time. Um, and for the Mets particularly, I found it to be really fun and really easy. Um, I do it by myself all the time. I sing in the shower, I make stuff up, and it's just a way of entertaining myself. Um, I always thought that I would grow up to be like making commercials and, and creating things, but here I am in adulthood with a big boy job. I'm in advertising, but I don't actually make the commercials. I do like the media strategy. Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about the process. Are you thinking of songs for particular guys and then you wait for the moment to happen and then you you're instantly there with your phone hitting record and and belting it out so it's a combination like uh sometimes it just comes to me uh you know sometimes it just comes to me and i just go right with it yeah uh other times it does take planning like right now i'm having uh writer's block and thinking block with um with rough with darren rough yeah. You know, everyone's like, oh, Rough Riders Anthem is a yeah. layup, you know, and it's like, no, nah, I don't want to really do that to DMX. So like, he's like an all time legend and great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot going on in my head about this rough thing and, and how to handle it. And then you just have gold mines like uh, like Vogelbach. I mean, right away, Chili's baby back ribs. <laughs> I want my Vogelbach, Vogelbach, Vogelbach. The trick there was, though, uh, saying I want my Vogelbach over and over again is a tongue twister. But yeah. That one came immediately to my head. Um, <laughs> I believe I had a few backups for Vogelbach, but they're not coming to my head right now. Those I actually planned out. Um you know, it, it's just a combination, you know, um, the, the old girl shocked me like you're Jeff McNeil. That just came. I didn't expect it to be successful. See, that's another thing. A lot of my stuff, I don't even think people are going to think it's funny or like it. Like the old girl shocked me like you're Jeff McNeil. It's yeah. not creative. <laughs> it's not even good. Like people love it. I don't even get it. I think MGMT is like, a, it's a good winner i people just like them so much 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I love Jeff. He's um, clearly my favorite Met. I favor him all the time. Um, you know, there was something in the air that night. The stars were bright. Alonzo, that was off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, who do you think the most obscure player that you've ever made a song for has been, whether you recorded it or not? Oh, um, wow, that is an excellent question. <laughs> um, so I don't only, I didn't always only do songs. I used to do chants. And I wouldn't really call this player um, obscure because we all loved him when he was here. And he yes. actually went on to be very successful. Angel Pagan. Yeah. Um, so I had this chant that I would do when I was at the games. And I would also do it at work with other Met fans. Yeah. So it would go something like this. Is he Protestant? And then the fans would go, no. Is he Catholic? No. Jewish? No. Episcopalian? No. Is he pagan? Yeah. So, I mean, while he wasn't that obscure of a player, that was very random. Uh, and this is in the stadium or this is at work? Uh, both. I'm doing it in the stadium and at work. It really. It sounds like a scene, it. man. It sounds like it, like, they fire up a whole section with that. Yeah, I try. And, you know, it's usually a mixed bag. I try to go to, like, uh, 10 or so games a year, and it depends what kind of crowd I get. A lot of times, you know, when I'm sitting further up, you know, people are more receptive. When I'm close to field level, you know, people are like, dude, come on, just quiet down. Let's watch the game. <laughs> but but when, I, when I'm up there, everybody's rowdy and crazy. Excellent. Uh, did you have a favorite player growing up? I know that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. That is a great question. My favorite player growing up, well, when I was a little boy, it was Mackie Sasser. Then it became Hojo. Um, mm -hmm. Hojo was the only 86 leftover at the time, and he was still doing good things. So that was my guy for a while. Um, you know, I'm too young for, like, I'm too young for the champions. You know, yeah. Greg, we were just having that conversation before he came on how neither of us and like, I don't know if you're in the same age group, but we don't remember 1986. I was three years old in 1986. I was three. Yeah, we're the same age. This, I was going to say, when you said Mackie Sasser, I'm like, man, we're kindred spirits here. <laughs> One of my yeah, like, I, I remember him being all chubby. I was chubby. The, yeah. the, the catcher's gear. I was like, oh, cool. I want to do that. I want to look like like I want to throw, you know, even though he had the yips, apparently. But uh, oh. Dude, I took I took his uniform number in Little League, and someone's like, "Oh, what, Babe Ruth, number three, uh, number two. It was um not uh, Babe. Um, gosh darn it, I messed up the whole line now. It was somebody. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, Mackie Sasser. Like, ah, oh, okay, and they gave me like a weird look. <laughs> Mackie was the man, bro. He was the man just because he was cool. His name was cool. Was Greatest number two in the history of New York sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I would say Mackie, then I would say Hojo. Oh, then, you know, the 016, it was Cliff. I yes. loved Cliff. I still love Cliff. Um, he does great work. But he was on the Peacock broadcast, and he was excellent. Yep. I was so excited. Yeah. I was, like, starstruck when I saw him on the Peacock broadcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, if he's always here, I'm subscribing. I'm paying for this subscription. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Jose and David era was special to me yeah. because they were our age, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, like we have legends that are my age that, you know, hopefully can bring home the championship. They were awesome. And then when Delgado was here, <laughs> like Delgado. against the Yankees, hitting it to the upper deck, like – memories that I'll have forever. Like when you have guys hitting 30 home runs and a hundred plus RBIs in your lineup, like we're about to again, um, yeah. it's special and it's something that you don't forget. So I love me some Carlos Delgado as well. Um, Bell, Bell was awesome. Uh, Gilkey, Gilkey was awesome. I, I love Bernard Gilkey. Butch Husky yeah. was the man. He had a huge year, uh, Bernard Gilkey. It was his first year here, I think, 96, 97. 
Yeah, 96. I think he hit 300. No, yeah. big year. This is like that that tweet. Have you seen like uh, guys can just sit around and talk about old baseball players for like three hours? Oh, we could do this way longer than that. <laughs> yes. All night. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about this team. Obviously, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're overwhelmingly positive, I feel like. But, um, you know, how much fun has this been? Uh, you've obviously been following the Mets for a long time. Do you think that this is the – the best Mets team you've ever seen? I'm going to reserve judgment for that. Um, you know, I've seen the 06 team, and they were very strong offensively, Yeah, but uh, the pitching wasn't there, right? Yeah. 88, I was too little. 86, I was too little. Um, you know, but I did see 99. Uh, you know, I did see 2000, and they were kind of, well-rounded as well but you know this team is starting to show me some things like contact hitting remember in 2015 we blew through everybody with our pitching like we were like f with me now right (laughs) and then we get to the world series we run into a contact hitting monster and they would just foul things off tough at bat after tough at bat and they wore our guys out, and they won. Now we have an offense like that. And I didn't even talk about our pitching. Our starters are out of control. DeGrom is back. Now yeah. you're starting off series with DeGrom and Scherzer. Everybody's going to be scared of that. Everybody's scared of that. Like, they, they may not admit it, but that's scary. And then you got Bassett, who's who's eating innings. He's got, like, six different pitches, you know? And then people complain about the bullpen. That's our weakness, right? That's where people say that um, we're, that's going to be our cause of death this year. I don't know about all that because, look, in a playoff series, you cut your rotation down to from five to four, right? Yeah. The fifth man's going to go to the pen, right? you got McGill coming back. He's probably going to the pen. You've got Peterson. He's going to be in the pen if you need him. On top of that, you've got May, who's back. Fastball lacking control on it, but he'll get that back. Um, and you got Lugo in there, who's looked better. Um, you know, starting to look uh, like his old self again. And all that really is, is a bridge to Diaz. So if you've got to eat, like, two innings, and you've got all those different options. By the way, we signed Givens, who looked good last night, and has probably, you know, gotten used to everything. If you just need a bridge to Diaz, one to two innings, come on, man. That group of guys, that crop of guys can get it done. And once it gets to Diaz, you already know, baby. Forget it. So I guess I'm. this is a long way of me saying, like, this. I don't know if this is the best team. But right now, they're looking like the most complete team, and it's promising. Um, But I'm going to reserve judgment until I can see these guys in the playoffs. And if we have health, who knows, baby? We might be looking at a special year, man. Yes. You're preaching to the choir here, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's already been special to an extent, and I agree with you. I I think that – they're really well set up. And I think September's schedule also just sets up very nicely for the Mets to get everything in order. Um, it's not that you're that any of these teams are minor league teams, but you know, they're not first class as, uh, as they would say on the broadcast. So um, yeah, I, I think we're, we're really set up, get through this month and then we can start thinking about hopefully October. And then we're getting a buy. Like if we if we stay where we're at in the standings, we get a buy, and that buy is going to allow us to set our pitching exactly the way we want it. Right. Nobody wants us to have this buy, man. We're gonna get it though. That's right. Oh yeah. Uh, and if they keep on the the trajectory they're on now, forget it. I mean, you know, the, uh, this next two weeks is gonna be um, a test, but. I mean, at the most, what is it, a warm-up for October? Yeah. You know, keep on rolling. 
you're not going to win 15 to 17 against the teams that are coming up, but why not try? <laughs> Tim, you know, it's funny you say that because I've been micromanaging the schedule all season long, and I've sounded like you all season long, looking at things and stretches like, oh, here comes a tough stretch. I'm no longer scared of anybody, man. Like, I'm no <laughs> longer, like, concerned. I see the stretch we've got. We've got Philly, Atlanta, Yankees, whatever. Like, I don't even – like, I feel free for some reason. Like, once the Grom came back, and I see the health looking the way it is. Um, and, okay, another thing. Okay, when we were struggling, we weren't hitting, right? Why weren't we hitting? Because we weren't getting a lot of production out of the DH uh, position. Yes. Since then, <laughs> we've gotten uh, uh, Naquin, we've gotten Vogel back, we've gotten Ruff, and since then – I don't see where the holes are. Like, I don't see where we're going to struggle. Now, granted, that stretch where we did struggle here and there, we were facing better pitching. But it's a different story right now. So, so, so guys, I'm not, I'm not really that scared of this upcoming stretch at all. Sure. Yeah. Um, I- so, the Mets, uh, this little stretch that they're on now, the, the 15 to 17, um, doesn't – exactly coincide with the acquisition of Vogelback, but it's close. He was traded. He was acquired on the 22nd. This stretch started on the 24th. Over that span, the Mets have scored 6.18 runs per game and hit 311 as a team. Filling in those little holes with, you know, where you weren't able to, I'm going to take a a page out of Louis Rojas's book. You weren't able to connect at bats because there was holes in the lineup. You plug those holes and and boy, watch that watch that thing go, man! It's incredible what this team. I'll go even uh, a smaller portion of that, Tim. The Mets have now scored not uh, five runs in at least nine straight games, and that's the longest streak in the majors this year. That's awesome. What that a- sounds like a healthy offense to me. <laughs> you know, I haven't looked at team batting statistics uh, over an extended period of time for a while now. 311? Is that normal? For a team? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm We're hitting 311 as a team? 311 is it? I think in the second half, they're probably pushing 300 as a team as well. I mean, it's only an extra week or so, but um, yeah, uh, you know, they, they came firing out of the gates. It looks like they knew what they had to do in the second half. And so far, you know, they've done it. Incredible. It really is. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Greg. And we'll definitely want to uh, have you back uh, maybe during the playoffs. Uh, before we let you go, do you have anything in mind for a little jingle for our show? Um, I'll have to work on that. I didn't have a jingle for your show ready. But, All right. Um, we'll, we'll let you think about it. And then when we bring you back, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get one. Sounds like a deal. Thanks, fellas. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Greg. Hey, when, when we have the uh, the Long Island Mets fan collective get together, I'm going to have to reach out. I'll be there. You let me know. All right, All right. we're gonna we're gonna do this. Thanks again for coming on, man. Thank no you, problem. Greg. See you guys. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Greg, awesome. And that's uh that's something that I think we've talked about offline that we want to start doing is just uh. One special thing about this fan base, uh, even amongst all the other great fan bases, is that there are so many characters and they're all somehow together on Twitter. So um, and you don't even need to make us laugh. You just need to like make us think or make us smile or say, oh, hey, that was a really good point. And who knows? You might be the next Mets fan on Simply Amazing. That's right. <laughs> oh, uh this week, uh, Mets, like we've talked about, have a, a great challenge ahead. This this next stretch uh, that we've talked about, I mean, you know, uh, something that Greg said is uh, is sticking with me. Um, do you remember, like, uh, what was it, mid-July? No. Uh, was it June? We were talking, oh, yeah, beginning of June, that stretch. We were talking about it. it was right after Scherzer went down, kind of, because uh, Scherzer what got hurt against uh, 
St. Louis, maybe. And then we were talking about that stretch at the beginning of June. It was like 10 games. Uh, and this is before the Angels had totally collapsed. We were like, man, they've got to go on this West Coast trip without Scherzer. And they did pretty well on that. They got through it, you know, split with the Dodgers and then uh, lost two out of three in San Diego, but then took two out of three from the Angels. And and they've just kept rolling since, even when they were struggling with, uh, with Houston. That's... Um, that's just great. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're thinking about this stretch now, uh, which is um, uh, 11 games, 13 games uh, against top talent. Uh, again, this this wraps up our experience with Philadelphia for this season, unless we see them in the playoffs. Um, three games at home against Philadelphia. I'm really glad that they've got these games at home coming off of the off day. I know that I talked about that last week. Then four more in Atlanta then four in Philadelphia and then two more with the Yankees. So, uh, and then after that, we've got the, the Dodgers at the end of the month. So, uh, how, how are you feeling, Tim? You, you think that we can I'm really uh, good, man. Yeah. Good, man. <laughs> take like eight of these. Like you, oh. do you feel like that's a good number. I think 10 is a, is a realistic number. I think eight would be perfectly fine. It would keep pace if everything would be, you know, moving right along. I think that this Mets team is just a better class of team than, you know, two thirds of that list that, that, that you list that you mentioned, um, you know, the Yankees are a very good team and I don't expect uh, the Mets to, to go into the Bronx and take two, but they could um, Atlanta, who's probably still licking their wounds from last week against the Mets. They're coming out against the Mets next week, fired up. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be ready to fight. They're going to be ready to win. You know, the Mets are going to have to match that that level of intensity. But, you know, there's no reason the Mets can't win that series, too. I, you know, what, you said 14 games, right? 13, yeah. 13? Write it down. 10 of 13. Wow. I, I mean, that would be phenomenal. I'm yeah. shooting for the moon, but that's how yeah. I'm feeling right now. I mean, look at the Phillies, who they're playing – is it eight games or se- it's seven games over that stretch? Got to play seven games, three here and then four there, including so, a doubleheader. Nola has had a really nice year. Wheeler is Wheeler. Ranger Suarez has been terrific over the last month. He's got like a one one point two one point three ERA. That's what we'll have on Friday. Uh, he's pitching Friday. Okay, so yeah, I mean the Mets have hit him well, but um, and and they just kind of you know tattooed lefties you know as of late. So. Uh, Something to look forward to. Kyle Gibson is very hittable. The bullpen is extremely hittable. Um, you know, and good pitching is going to be good offense. That's just how baseball goes. I'm not all that concerned about the Phillies. And then uh, we talked about trap games. And this isn't a trap game. They're playing really good baseball right now. But, you know, maybe it's just an overconfident Mets fan in me talking. I- I'm not that worried about the Phillies. But, uh, you know, it's basically I think the a really, really good offense and they've gotten uh much better production out of their bullpen of late. They're, they're hitting a ton of uh, extra base hits. Now real Muto has uh, improved his batting average by a lot. They were saying on the broadcast. Castellanos is heating up. Uh, Castellanos is. Yeah. And, the, and then Alec Bohm has been fantastic. Uh, ever Dude, since I'm a, I'm a fan food off the field. So um, yeah, I, I, well, I'll tell you what makes me feel okay about this. One, we're at home. They, they're they getting to stay with their families in their own beds. We've talked about that. But then we've got Scherzer and DeGrom on <laughs> Saturday. Like, you know, there's no two pitchers on the planet that would probably make me feel better. And there are other guys in the conversation, maybe Verlander. But, but in a big game, like, those are the guys that we want because they're going to bring the intensity. So – um, yeah, I'm feeling okay about this series. How about um, Philly Twitter being up in arms about uh, Keith's comments about the uh, Phillies bad fundies? Oh, I mean, they Phillies fans knew what the what the how which way the wind was blowing in that sense. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure that I saw them saying that I can't stand watching this team's defense. Like, exactly. for, you know, you like saw you saw the front office put this team together. Everybody knew it was going to be a defensively deficient team. Um, you know, Keith Hernandez, you know, your 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 big your big time sports analyst and former ball player. It's a three-man booth. I think that a lot is being made of those comments, but I'm sure that he's more than 
capable of saying, oh, hey, guys, who wants to switch me for these Philly series because I don't want to watch this team? Um, yeah, I'm not – I wasn't – I didn't blink twice. I didn't blink at it. I don't – you know, I think it's just Keith Hernandez being Keith Hernandez. I, I don't – I, I don't think, think, he, uh, controversy. I think he was joking and, uh, and, and people got a little bit fussed. Uh, this weekend he's not there because the 82 Cardinals are having their reunion in St. Louis. And then I think he probably just had like a, a week off next next time when they go to Philadelphia. So I think he was messing with them, but they were clearly messed with. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, you think that that's bulletin board material? Does that qualify, Tim? For the Phillies? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, they, are they going to try a little bit harder to keep their gloves on the ground and, and, and use two hands when they when they make a catch and and, you know, not walk guys and it's just you know they played much better baseball under um uh Robin Robin Tucker, right mm-hmm. yeah Robin he's Tucker. been great they've they've played good ball he's a well very very well respected he seems like the type of guy who's not gonna <clears throat> stand for lackadaisical play and i'm not you know you would think girardi was was the same way but i think his voice just was tuned out in that clubhouse you're right yeah and and that happens a lot so it's not just a Girardi thing it's just like it didn't work out initially and then when things are going bad guys can stop listening to whoever's at the at the helm so yeah, yeah. oh trust agree. me dude you know at home you know I just get tuned out they stop listening oh <laughs> uh, see we have fun here we do you now we you know we have our moments we do. Uh, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, later this weekend. I'll, uh, I'll be on vacation in Florida, which will be fun. And, wait, you're you're, you're going to be recording from Florida. Yeah. That's awesome. The, ded- the, the dedication, my friend is, uh, is commendable. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily in charge of the schedule. It could be that on Saturday, I tell you like, Oh, uh, you know, we have something, but, but no, I'm planning. <laughs> I'm planning to record. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it'll be another series win. Yes. Oh, I'll track down a Florida beer for the occasion. Absolutely. Oh, you got to have like, uh, like frozen, frozen Marge. What do they got down in Key West? The, uh, the rum runners. Oh, that'd be good. Oh, where are you guys going? Uh, West coast of Florida. Uh, Sanibel. All right. Well, um, it's lovely, lovely area. I hope you guys have a good, safe trip. I'm excited. Yeah, I've never been uh, on a on a beach vacation with her, so this is really. really yeah, we're oh, uh, fire it up, man! Let's yeah, go have some fun. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Ah, I haven't been on a vacation in years, and I'm sure everyone's probably in the same boat with the pandemic and stuff. But ah, itching, absolutely itching after the season. That's right. All right, guys, I think that's it. Um. You guys know the sign-off. It's let's fucking go Mets, and that's just you know ingenuity. Oh. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys Sunday. All right, take care. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs>